chapter 11. Let's go ahead and stand together uh, one last time for about an hour. Uh, Just kidding. All right, Acts chapter number 11, and we're going to read verses 19 to 26. And then also we have uh, the Hatfields with us, and they just moved to this area. They're staying in a hotel right now and planning on planting a church in Sacramento. And so anyway, be in prayer for them as they're trying to get settled and get things uh, ready, prepared. And so you'll want, if you have not met them yet, you'll want to meet them. All right, Acts chapter 11, verse number 19. I'll read 19, join me on 20, and we'll read responsively down through verse 26. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And of some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. We look at this passage of Scripture, and we find the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's going from Saul, is going to become Paul. Uh, we see the, the changes that have been made and uh, how, how there was a, a believer that was concerned about going and finding somebody else. Uh, that uh, was profitable for the ministry. And, and Barnabas went and went to Tarsus and got Saul and came back. And then when we get to this passage, we find that as these believers were there and they were ministering uh, at the church, we find that there was a phrase that was added. These individuals, uh, these disciples, after a year's time, uh, we find the word Christian being used. And it was at this point that believers were first called Christians. During the French Revolution, somebody said to uh, one of the bishops of Atun, and he said, the Christian religion, what is it? It would be easy to start a religion like that. Oh yes, uh, the man replied, one would only have to get crucified and rise again a third day. And, uh, you know, we, we look at Christianity and there, there is a casual view of Christianity by so many. But to a believer, it's not just a religion. To someone who is a follower of Christ, it is all about relationship. And these believers exhibited that. 
And so we're going to start a new series for Wednesday nights, and the title of the series is First Century Commitment, 21st Century Christianity. And we're going to be doing some comparisons between the two and uh, what we could do to uh, make sure that we as, uh, as 21st century Christians are still being committed like the first century Christians. And so let's pray together. Father, I do pray that you would help us as we open your word. May we be challenged. I pray that, uh, Lord, we would uh, bring some walls down if there's something that's in our life that is causing us not to be able to, uh, not to follow you as committed uh, with the commitment that we need. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would uh, reveal to us changes that need to be made in our lives uh, and also uh, help us just to be steadfast uh, in our choice of being co a committed follower. And so help us tonight, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So here, when we look at this passage, uh, we find that uh, the, the term Christianity, Christianity is about 2,100 years old. Uh, foundation of Christ's coming goes back to Genesis 3, and we see the, uh, in Genesis 3.15 how uh, the Lord was going to come. He said, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Uh, and that's the first mention of the Messiah coming uh, in Scripture. But from Genesis to Revelation, uh, God's plan of redemption is woven all the way through. And with that, Christianity and the plan of being a Christian was, is not a new uh, thing. Uh, and we can say new as in, in this uh, New Testament, uh, because it, God's plan to follow him has been from the very beginning. Uh, but when we look at this, in our text, uh, according to uh, the uh, uh, those that that uh, uh, have done the the research on the timelines, Clausen, Reese, there are others, uh, but uh, they they believe that uh, Genesis begins. Genesis uh, begins in. Uh, uh, three nine or three thousand nine hundred and seventy five BC thirty nine seventy five BC, and then you add twenty twenty three to that, and it puts us at five thousand nine hundred ninety eight uh, years uh, of history, uh, world history, not billions and billions or millions and millions of years, uh, but uh, we we go by the the uh, the calendar the the uh, what God has given to us through Scripture, and so uh, they believe there's just about six thousand years of wor world history, and so in our text we are in A.D. forty three. And so Barnabas and Saul, that was in AD 43 right there, uh, Acts 11.25. Let's look at it. And I've got some uh, background that we'll hit before we get to the message. Uh, but uh, uh, Acts 11.25, then departed Barnabas to Saul for to seek Saul. And so uh, this is, they believe, right at AD 43. So 43 after uh, the turn of the century there, New Testament. Uh, so then in uh, verse, uh, four, or verse 26, it changes to AD 44. 
Uh, it says, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So, so here in this time frame, uh, we have uh, the, the Lord has uh, come to the earth. He has been crucified. Uh, he has trained his disciples, and now he is in heaven. The disciples, the apostles, uh, they are following the Lord, following his plan, just like the followers of the Lord in 2023 are to follow his plan. Same, same mission. Uh, that mission has not changed. Uh, I had recently uh, read a text or a post from a pastor, and he was in the post, he was stating that uh, we need to be doing first century methods uh, in the 21st century. Now, uh, our belief, our doctrines have not changed, and, uh, and so I have no problem with that, and there are the commands and the uh, principles of God's Word that He has given us uh, through Scripture, and those are still intact and uh, completely active, but they didn't have texting. They didn't have uh, they didn't have uh, streaming. They didn't have uh, they didn't have church buildings like what we have today. Uh, they didn't have air conditioning. Uh, so I wonder if that pastor, if his church has air conditioning or not. But uh, uh, I am all for holding firm to the foundations and truths. But the reality is, uh, we have to reach the culture that God has put us in. When we send missionaries around the world, uh, they will spend time learning the culture uh, of that people group. Uh, why? So they can understand how to reach them. And it would be foolish for us to start acting like first century people in a culture that is completely different. But the truths that we have, though they are, uh, they are timeless, we need to take those timeless principles and and, and learn how to apply them and present them to people uh, so, they can, uh, so they can accept them and so they can receive the truths of God's word. And so, uh, but during this time, uh, we see that uh, there were many of the believers that were martyred. Uh, it, James, uh, the brother of John, son of Zebedee, he was killed uh, by Herod. Uh, Acts 12, verse 1 and 2. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And later, uh, we've got uh, about 15 years later, uh, 16 years later, in the 60s, uh, we will start to see some of the uh, other apostles being killed. Peter will be martyred. Uh, we will find that uh, Paul will be martyred. Uh, we see how, uh, how uh, James, the Lord's brother, uh, will die. Uh, according to Josephus, uh, John, uh, 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 that uh, uh, John was, was uh, uh, he was, let's see here, uh, he was, uh, uh, he was uh, killed by the Sanhedrin in A.D. 62. Uh, Peter and Paul executed under Roman uh, Emperor Nero. 
and they believe that was probably right around 64. So the church, uh, as, a, as a young church, and the, the mission of Christianity after the Lord has been crucified, uh, this is a complete change from uh, what the uh, Judaism of the day and the keeping of the law. So uh, when you remove these pivotal leaders, it has a huge impact uh, on uh, on the uh, the uh, church and on the Christ- Christian realm. But the term Christian is only used three times in the Bible. Three times. Uh, we look at the law of first mention, and that is Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. That is the very first time that it's used. Uh, it gets used again in Acts 26, 28, when Paul is witnessing uh, to Agrippa. The uh, Bible says, Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost persuadest thou me to be a Christian. First Peter 4, 16. Uh, Peter uses it, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God uh, on this behalf. So uh, these are the only time that that word is used about being a Christian. So uh, a first century commitment and a 21st century Christianity. And so just looking at, uh, at this tonight, first century Christians were committed. They were committed. There is no way to get out, uh, when you get into your Bible, other than to see the commitment that these people had. Now, do you think that they had bills to pay? Don't get quiet on me. Absolutely. Did they have kids to raise? Did they have houses to take care of? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They still had responsibility. We make it out as though they were somehow in a different situation and it was just easier for them to be committed. The reality is commitment is a decision that every one of us have to make. And it's not a one-time decision. I wished it was just a one-time decision. You, you walk an aisle, you bow a knee, you surrender your life to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to follow you, whatever you want me to do. And then from then on, it's just smooth sailing. Has anybody experienced that? Brother Franklin's, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely not. It's not that way. Uh, commitment is something that we find that though we make that commitment... We have to re-up that commitment. In the military, that's what they call it, re-up. There is a, there's a decision, am I going to continue where I'm going? The direction I'm going. Now, let me, let me say this. As a Christian, uh, we shouldn't be looking for an out. There shouldn't be an exit strategy to, to our service for Christ. There's, there's an on-ramp, but there isn't an off-ramp. You know what the off-ramp is? Heaven. That's it. Uh, and Brother Hiles used to say, he said, I'd rather rust out or wear out than rust out. And 
The reality is we just need to keep on serving until the Lord calls us on home. Now, there are people who are in positions because of health, uh, positions uh, of situations that have happened in their life, and they are physically not able to serve the Lord uh, like they would, they would desire to, to serve the Lord. Brother Doug, I mentioned him earlier tonight. Uh, he would love to be here. Uh, Miss Frassy would love to be here. There are people that uh, would, in their, in their ability, if there was anything that they could do that they would be able to be in God's house, they would be here in God's house. Uh, if there would be a way for them uh, to, to serve in any capacity, they would. There would be uh, no desire to do anything else. Now, uh, what do we find? Uh, are are they, they without any purpose? Absolutely not. You look at, uh, you look at the uh, people that were uh, in, in the scriptures. We had uh, Anna and we had Simeon. Uh, what did they do? They served God night and day in prayers and fasting. And your, your health might be in a place where you can't get out and, uh, and walk a street uh, and knock on doors. And you might not be able to uh, jump on a bus route. Uh, you might not be able to teach a class. Uh, but there are things that all of us can do. There's ways for us to serve the Lord uh, until we are no longer here. But there was a commitment uh, that these believers had. This commitment uh, to his cause uh, is the only reason that Christianity has continued to this generation. Because people had hung on to the faith and they continued to pass it on. You, we are only one generation from losing everything. One generation. Do you know how many churches are closing? What happened? The next generation didn't pick it up. Previous generation got older, unable to continue, and it died. We have three churches in our area right now. Baptist churches that are right on the edge of going under. Going under. It is, it is unbelievable what, what is happening. What, what is the cause? It comes back to this thing called commitment. And I've got to hasten or I'm not even going to get to my points. You're surprised on that, aren't you? All right, so let's go real quickly. People down through the ages have willingly taken up their cross and followed the Lord. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Use your Bible tonight. I know the scriptures will be up there, but Matthew chapter 16 uh, and verse number 21. Matthew 16, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. 
Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now notice here in verse number 23, uh, the this offense that the Lord took, he said, get thee behind me. He said, how would you like the Lord to call you Satan? Wow. This is, this is a pretty harsh correction. And here uh, the Lord does that and he says, be it far from thee. So the Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but them that be of men. What was it? Uh, was it that uh, that Peter wasn't wanting Peter wasn't wanting the Lord to be hurt uh, because he loved him. He he loved the Lord. He didn't want something bad to happen to him. Uh, and so uh, this this uh, thought process uh, wasn't because he he didn't he didn't care about the Lord. It was that he cared about the temporal and over the eternal. When we start caring about the temporal over the eternal, we become an offense. Why? We are getting in the way of God's plan. I don't want to get in the way of God's plan. I don't want to be an offense unto the Lord. So uh, we, we see this uh, early life uh, and... The, just the uh, 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 earth, earthly life and living is not what is of God, it is of men. If the focus is just about the here and now, that is not of God. He said, you care not about that which is uh, of God, but of men. And so, uh, so here we, we see this commitment. Uh, Mark eight thirty four. he called unto them uh, with his disciples also and said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. In Mark 10, uh, for time's sake, I'm just going to have to run here. Uh, Mark 10, verse 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me Luke 9 23 again and take up his, his cross daily and following uh, follow me what do we find we find that there was a commitment level of these New Testament Christians they were dying to self and living unto Christ Dying to self and living under Christ. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so uh, that, was a, that was an understanding. And Christian, we've got we've to understand that as well. I'm not saying that we don't enjoy the blessing of life that God has given to us. But it's not all about fun and glamour. This morning, we, I was in my office and studying, and uh, I got a text from Miss Bethany, and she said, there's a man sitting on the ramp out here for the modular. And so she was getting ready to come in to 
uh, work and the preschool and school kids are going to be coming in. And so I went out and started talking with this man. And for three years now, he has been homeless. And with that, I told him at some point, you've got to stop. Claim to be a Christian. And I told him, I said, you need to not just live, but live for a mission. There's got to be a cause. Just existing isn't good enough. Just surviving it's not good enough. When we get to heaven, the Lord isn't going to pat us on the head and say, glad you made it. He's not going to pat us on the head and say, man, you survived. No, there's going to be a judgment day. We will receive rewards or loss of rewards according to that he hath done, the Bible says. See, there's an expectation of us as God's child to serve him, to live for him. And there is a mission, there is a cause that is bigger than us. And we see that commitment uh, in these New Testament believers. Uh, there was an understanding that we are not promised tomorrow. Tomorrow is not guaranteed, James 4, 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We don't know that we have tomorrow to serve. Let's serve him today. Well, I'll serve him when things slow down. How's that working? Does it ever slow down? Well, when I get some spare time. Well, when I get some me time. There are so many excuses that we use. And they're excuses. God doesn't command us to do something that we cannot do. What's, what's the difference? Commitment. You know, every one of us have the same hours in the week. There's 168 of them. We all have the same amount. But there's differences on what gets done. And if God wants us to read his Bible and to pray, he wants us to go to church, he wants us to witness for him. Guess what? There's time for that. It's just whether or not we have taken his time and given it to something else. Amen. So we're going to look at this first century Christian. I've got about 10 minutes, all right? Uh, and so uh, now we're going to get to point number one. All right, what do we see about these first century Christians? Number one, they congregated. Go back to Acts chapter 11. Uh, Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. Acts eleven twenty-six. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. Uh, so Barnabas, bringing Saul back, brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled. 
They assembled. The word assemble uh, is the the Greek word synago. It means to gather. Uh, Well, where did they gather? They assembled themselves with what? What's those next two words? The church. What were those next two words? The church. You say, Pastor, I'm here. I know. Praise the Lord. You're here. Uh, But with that, uh, first century Christians, that commitment, what do we see about them? They gathered at church. It's important. Church is a part of the believer's life. If the Lord wanted the church just to be there for an occasional visit, he wouldn't have put so much emphasis on it. He didn't start the church just to see whether or not he could. No, he started it with a mission. And and with that, these first century Christians, these committed Christians, what were they? Uh, They assembled themselves together. Uh, The assembly was the synago. Uh, The church with the the church uh, is ecclesia. Church is ecclesia, a called out assembly. And that's what the New Testament church is. It's a called out assembly. And with that, we are not to forsake the assembling of our ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, As the Lord gets uh, his return is closer, we should be assembling more and more. Amen. we're, We're at church all the time. Yep, and it should be more and more. What happens? We get to a certain point in our Christian life And all of a sudden, we start backing up, seeing it over and over again. Instead of us continuing to grow, we get to a certain level and become comfortable there. But you never stay stagnant. You won't stay at one level. We're either growing or we're backsliding. I mean, there is very little uh, of of being just completely stable. So this church, what these believers, what did they do? First century, number one, they congregated. Number two, we see about them, there was a crowd. Uh, verse 26, it says uh, that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught how many people? Much people, much people. Now, you guys scared me tonight. I mean, uh, I started looking around, and it was like we had 12 people here. I was like, where is everybody at? Uh, and by the time we finished up with prayer, people had uh, rolled in. Uh, but, but it was concerning. You know what? The, the assembly of the church, there should be a crowd. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I just don't want there to be any more people. I just want it to be, to be small. That's not God's plan. Anything that has life is going to grow. You have that beautiful baby, and you look at that baby, and what a blessing, and we've got a seven-pound baby or an eight-pound baby, and you're holding this baby, but next year, if that baby's still seven or eight pounds, there's a problem. Got to grow. Same thing with anything that is living. The church, uh, there, there were people that were there. They assembled. Uh, they taught much people. So uh, there was a crowd. Uh, number three, uh, they conversed. They taught. We need to be learners. Amen. 
uh, and, and having our heart open, our mind open. Uh, there, there are count. I, I watch countenances. I watch people's faces. I was telling the kids in chapel today, I can tell you can be present and not be present. You can be here and not be here. You know what? I can, I can sit in church and I can watch and I can see who's here and who's somewhere else completely. You can see it on the countenance. You can see it in the responses. You know what? These, these people, they were being taught. We should be hungry for God's word. And you gathered tonight, praise the Lord. But I hope when we came into church, it was, Lord, give me something tonight. Lord, I need to hear from heaven tonight. How many of you had sort of a rough week? All right? Okay, you have a rough week. You walk into these doors, Lord, I need to be refreshed. But if we come looking for something, we'll find it. You come looking for nothing, you'll find it. If you don't want anything, and there are people, well, come in. Move me if you can. I mean, that's a reality. And it, there is no desire. You can see that there is no hunger to learn, to grow. First century Christians... How come they, they tore it up for the Lord? Why? Because they were hungry. They were being taught. They conversed on God's word. Uh, Acts 2.46, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and in breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Acts 5.42, And daily in the temple and every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Christ. Now, stop and think through your week. How many people did you talk about Christ to? Oh, me. We can come to church, but when we walk out these doors, I'm thankful for the believers and the fellowship we can have here, but all of this is for out there. Mission is not in here. This is equipping time to get us ready to go out there. This, this is what we need to do. And they, they were conversing. Uh, they were talk, being taught. They were being taught the word of God. Uh, number four, they continued. Uh, he said, uh, when they had found him, he brought him into Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year. So there was, there was a time frame that these people were committed. They were there. They were learning. Uh, so they continued. Praise the Lord for people that just continue. Faithfulness uh, is so important. This was not just, it was not a passive group. It was not an apathetic group. Uh, these people continued. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And, uh, and that, is, that is a focus uh, that we have to have. So they continued. Number five, they were called. They were called. So Look at the end, it says, and they taught much people, and the disciples were called 
Christians first in Antioch. Now, uh, the word called is the, the Greek word krematizo, and it literally means, go ahead and go to that next slide. Uh, if you can uh, go to that. Can you see that? I can't see that from back there. I can see part of it here, but I can see it right here. All right. Uh, so uh, it's the, the Greek word krematizo, and it means to be called, to be named. This was not that they named themselves Christian. They were named Christian. These, these believers were named uh, a Christian. Uh, they were called a Christian. Uh, what, they, they were, uh, because of their, their faithfulness to the Savior, they reminded the world of the Christ that they had just crucified. Uh, the one, this was an anti, uh, uh, they, this, this community, they had rejected Christ, and, and yet the, the Jewish community, uh, they uh, recognized these believers and they called them Christians, and so, uh, so that was to be called, to be named uh, Christian. And then, lastly, number six, and what I've been stating over is they were committed. They were committed. They were disciples. Uh, Mathetes, and uh, it is a pupil, an apprentice, a disciple, an adherent, uh, a learner, and so. What do we find? We find these New Testament believers, they, these were disciples. These were committed followers of Christ. Does the world know that we are a committed follower of Christ? Do your coworkers know that you're a committed follower of Christ? They should. If you are a committed follower of Christ, they know. If they are surprised you go to church, there's a problem. Right after I got saved. Eighth grade, public school, I got saved. And uh, right after I got saved, I went to witness to one of my friends. And his name was Jerry. Jerry. And Jerry invited me to go to a party, and I said, said no, I said, I'm, I got saved uh, this last week. I asked Christ to save me. And Jerry said, you're a Christian? He says, I'm a Christian. Jerry and I went to all the same parties, did all the same things. I said, you are? <laughs> I was completely surprised. You know, that should not be the case. You know, as a believer, we should be different. That's how this world will find out that there is something that Christ has done. He's made, he makes a difference in life. He transforms us. You know, you shouldn't be the grumpy guy on the job. Amen. You shouldn't be the one that's creating problems. You should be a light for Jesus Christ. Upbeat, positive, happy. 
The joy of the Lord, it's our strength. So here, these first century Christians, we see that they were committed. Uh, Luke 14, 26, uh, 27, uh, Luke 14, 33, uh, we just see that uh, there is a commitment level required for us to be a follower of Christ, a disciple. And so uh, with this, first century commitment, 21st century Christian. 21st century Christians should be just as committed. Just as committed. Is there different influences? Yes. Are we in a different culture? Absolutely. But we can be just as committed. We can be just as faithful. And so as we walk away from uh, the the church house and we go out into this world, uh, let's be the Christian that the Lord wants us to be. Let's be that disciple that the Lord would want us to be. And so uh, let's pray together. Father, I do pray that you'd help us this evening. Uh, Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word to be able to show us uh, what we ought to do and how we ought to live and uh, how we can uh, live uh, our life for you in this world. And so I pray that you would help us Uh, Bless our people, give them strength, give them boldness. Uh, Lord, help them to have that that strength to be able to follow you. And so I pray that you'd bless, uh, speak to hearts, heads bowed, eyes closed. We won't have an altar call, uh, but who'd say, Pastor, the Lord spoke to my heart tonight. There are some areas I've 